180 degrees on Radio Cape Pulpit, 79 a.m. And happy Monday, friends. Welcome to 180 Degrees. Yes, it is so nice to be here on this Monday evening. You know Monday is our favorite day here. You know how we do. But you know what? There's something missing. There's something missing. You heard all of our lovely names. You heard Shanna, who is no longer with us here. She's on Earth, but she's just not in our studio. (laughs) And here in our studio, we have... Inga Stoffels with 180 Degrees. Woo! We love to have you here in studio. Oh, we're having such a fantastic time. How are you guys doing? I'm... You first. Oh. <laughs> See, this is what we're gonna do now. When like, two yeah. people want to be polite at the same time. Okay. Christians, no, am I right? I'm doing great. I had an awesome Women's Day. I almost said Mother's Day. I had an awesome Women's Day. You know, very relaxing, very chilled. Mm. Went to my in-laws. Had some. Yo, there was a lot of food, but yes. it was oh, delicious. Mm. I'm doing good. I'm great. Zoe, how are you? I had fun. <laughs> I actually don't even remember what I did. My brother came home for the weekend. I don't think we necessarily celebrated anything for a woman's day, but we did remember. My parents don't really know South African history that much, so mm-hmm. I imparted on them what I knew about <laughs> the history of woman's day, which I go. think we're going to get more into today. Yes, yep. so for all of you listening right now, and you're like, mm, why are we talking about woman's day? Woman's day was yesterday, but don't you worry, because we actually celebrate an entire month of it. Welcome to August, Women's Month. The best month, if I do say so myself. Well, I mean, September's my birthday, but. Oh, true. Okay, maybe the month after November. (laughs) I don't know. June's pretty great, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Twelve months to pick from. Let us know what your favorite month is on 0817091657. And well, seeing as no one asked, I'm doing fine too. Thank you. No, I was. You know, I was waiting for Zoe to throw to you. You know what? I thought about it, and then I literally was going to, and then I said that, and then my yeah. No, it's your woman's day. You know what? It was good. Bruce did a lot of DIY and I kept Isla alive. And, you know, that's just... Mm. It feels like woman's day is every day in my life. Aw, definitely. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, you are coming in for one fabulous show. Tonight we will be talking about Women's Day, but also the history. Where does it come from? Why are we celebrating it? And why are we still thinking about it? What can we do to celebrate, really, Women's Month this year. So, you know, if you missed it, that's fine. You've still got how many days? What, 20 days? 20 days left? Um, so stick yeah. around. <laughs> Look at the maths going on. <laughs> Maybe 20 what? Is it 21? It's like steam coming out of my it's ears. It's 21. <laughs> Wait, oh, August. Wait. <laughs> I think it's 20. Tw- yes. 21. 2021. Okay, yes. in any case, we'll figure it out after the short break after this. But yes, you are in for one really good show. So this evening we'll be speaking to Anelai Furi Leroux, who works for CAPSA, which is the Christian AIDS Bureau for Southern Africa. Their primary focus is to equip faith and community leaders um, to respond comprehensively and holistically to the HIV pandemic. She's also involved with the Combined AIDS Task Group of the Calvin Protestant Church in South Africa, the Dutch Reformed Church, Western Cape Regional Synod, and the Uniting Reformed Church Cape Synod. She's also part of the Gender Justice Task Group of the Dutch Reformed Church. That's where I know her from. That's a fun place to be. Um, she's facilitating the CAPSA Online HIV Support Group, an advocate for Thursdays in Black, which all of us in studio here are as well, a member of Interrace Reconciliation and Justice Group in Somerset West, and also just an all-round lovely person, Anneli, welcome. Anneli, sorry, hi. Hi, and thank you for the invitation. It's, it's lovely to join you tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Women's Day? Well, um, I think the, 
the answer to this question depends on how far far back we want to to look. I mean, on, on first level, I think most people know that um, that on this day, the 9th of August in 1956, about 20,000 women marched to the Union Building, where um, where they hosted a, an extraordinary demonstration, really, of of solidarity and discipline um, to to bring across the protest about the proposed um, changes to the to the Urban Areas Act that very much related to the past laws of, of the time. So um, so if you just want a brief answer, that is what happened on the 9th of September, uh, 9th of August, sorry, and um, and which was such an such an inspiration to see the unity uh, of the women coming together that um, South Africa has opted to celebrate this day as um, as our Women Women's Day, National National Women's Day. But um, I think that is just giving us a peek at at the specifically the the ninth of August. But um, um, that. Could, could I jump in there quickly because um, yeah. not all our listeners might actually know what the past laws were. So what that was is you had to have a specific piece of paper that allowed you to move freely within your own country. Now, as we all know, that's pretty unconstitutional. <laughs> that doesn't really work. That's that's just a horrible um, a horrible way to, I think, impose racist systemic racism onto people. So that is one of the, I think, the biggest reason why 20,000 women got together. And I think they handed in something like 14,000 signatures. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. And this now, keeping in mind, this is before social media. This is before like any sort of thing where you can quickly let your friends know, hey, we're going out to a protest. This is like 1956. My parents weren't born yet. (laughs) Neither (laughs) were mine. Yeah. So sorry. Yes, yes. Please continue. Yes, well, I, when I was thinking about the, the past laws, I couldn't help but think of the travel permits that we've experienced now during the COVID um, pandemic. Um, so I thought just as an analogy for, for the listeners is to think of, you know, if you think of the first five weeks of lockdown, uh, our movements were very much restricted and you were allowed to leave the home only to, to go to the chemist or the gas station or the supermarket. And you can all re- you you can all I think relate to how it felt to have have so little um um freedom in terms of your own movement and your own decisions. I mean even today we are still not allowed to, to travel across provinces and um, it's not it's not changed. But I think that's giving us just a little little taste of what it was about. But it's also important to 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 also then well, just take it a little further back than only the past laws, because when you you delve into the history, then you would you find that the uh, um that the very first past laws that was introduced in in South Africa was in seventy sixty. And that and it was with a purpose to control the movement of slaves. Mm-hmm. And um, and then 30 years later, no, 50 years later, um, under the British rule, um, again the the thought law laws was then extended to also um, 
um, require of the indigenous people process when they are moving around. Now we're talking about the indigenous people who are free, who are now required to carry passes when they move around in, in the country. Um, and since then, this, these laws have actually been a way of um, not only segregating, but it was a way of forcing people into cheap labor which is also at the heart of the labor migration system that we have today. Oh, and, please um, tell us more about that. Um, so, so it comes from, a, it's fundamentally a slave measure, um, and it's very much um, rooted in the economic system of, of South, South Africa. And, um, and it was usually applicable on men because men were lured into, into the um, employment. But... In 1950, there, um, there was a um, amendment, oh, that sounds weird, but changes proposed in this law to, to even also include women under these laws. And, and part of the 20,000 women mobilizing was about saying, no, you're not going to include us in these laws also. It's incredible to think about and how, yes, like, I mean, it just seems like such an entirely different world. The sheer audacity mm-hmm. of some person coming into the country and like, okay, so you are only allowed to move during these times into these places. And if you're caught without your papers, you mm. will be jailed mm. indefinitely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And it's so true. It is kind of like the permit, what we had with when you can't pass through. Yeah, you permit, like, had right to be signed by a judge and stuff. Yes, yes. Mm. So the second question we'd like to ask is, we know this day is extraordinarily meaningful as it is still marked as one of the largest marches in South African history. And we really have come a long way, but there is still a lot to do in terms of liberating women, you know, liberating women equality in the workplace, gender-based violence, you know. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think um, it was already touched on the fact that this the the significance of this this march um if we consider the fact that it was in nineteen fifty six and to think what was possible what what the women were able to accomplish with without as you see the the internet social me- media um etc et and I think for me the most important thing to take from from this um is the fact that it was possible. Mm. I think today often, you know, we we, we consider, we look at the challenge in front of us and it just might feel too big. Um, But somehow these women um, demonstrated to us that it was possible Mm. to, to, to accomplish something if there is a shared vision. Yes. And it is the um, ability to to reach out and to work to work together. I think also significant, and I'm sorry if I dwell too much in the 1956 scenario, but we must also remember that was the time where society was highly segregated, yes. with no encouragement for interaction between the race, between races. As a matter of fact, the system was designed to create distrust and antagonism between all the different races. And here we found a group of women of different races who were able to to look beyond that and to find a common goal. And and if we take it to 
to today, um, I think that is our challenge, is to be able to to um, to look beyond our own, um, I want to say, our own frame of mind and to see the bigger picture of, of women, of women in general, of women universally, and, and be able to... Um, uh, to unite together, because I think I think what worries me often is that you you hear protesting voices and, and you hear women's voices, but the, the the things that we're concerned about are, excuse me for saying it, but sometimes um, quite superficial, and um, and. Um, and very much focus on my children and my school and our rights, um, where we lose sight of the bigger picture. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we we need the encouragement to see to say to each other, if um, if 70 years ago, um, 20,000 women with um, so much less mobilising. Power behind them. We're able to to come together. Why I can't we? I I so I'm so grateful that you're mentioning this because. Oh. I've been reading up about this stuff, right, because obviously this is important and we all need to be informed on this. What's happening currently, especially in South African society, is women are encouraged to be kind, to be nice, to be polite, to be to be place to to be you know, to placate themselves. I mean, you just risk us. Don't don't raise your tone. Okay, if no one knows what tone policing means, like let's let's get on one of those 180 degrees tangents that we love so much. Tone policing, where you are hearing something difficult and something you don't really want to hear, and then the person saying it might be raising their voice or might be sounding passionate. You know, even you know a bit more passionate than I'm sounding right now, and you tell them. I can't hear what you're saying. I can't listen to your message unless you say it in a nice way, unless you package your message mm. in a way that I can understand it and is nice for me to hear and doesn't quite confront me as much. Yeah. I can't hear it. And this is something that those 20,000 women had to face as well, and they overcame it. They overcame the idea of being told, where do shame? You do my months mean, so shame. Hello? Like, you know, teach this stuff at home, you know, be quiet about it. You'll maybe, you know, talk to your husband about it. Like, you've got to do that stuff, but at some point, yet it's got to leave your home and it's got to get out onto the streets. There is a movement at the moment on social media, specifically Instagram, called hashtag don't shush me. Mm. Okay. Don't don't tell me to not be as loud, to not be as passionate, to not get angry, to not get upset about stuff, because you know what? Sometimes we have to. Yes, so true. Everything you're saying, like, has been said. I don't know if you're, you know of Chiamanda. She's a Nigerian writer and a very prolific feminist. And she, the, she gave a speech at one point, and they, I'm so, sorry to go off on a pop culture tangent, but Beyonce sampled a bit of that speech and put it in one of her songs. And in this, and in the speech, she talks about how, especially in like non-Western societies, women are still kind of boxed in and are encouraged to be quiet there encouraged to fight other women for the attention of a man. They're yes. encouraged mm. to not yeah. necessarily go out after their um, dreams, or, you know, be 
Yes, and it's like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to work, be in the workplace, that's fine. That's What feminism is to me is the woman having the choice to choose whatever she wants to do. So if you choose to be a housewife, you should be able to do that. If you choose yes. to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, you should be able to make that choice, and you should get respect for that. And no one should make you feel bad because you choose a slightly unconventional choice that really yes. boils my blood. But this isn't yeah. just because th- this is such an interesting thing to me. So the passes were for men and for women, right? But this yes. is a, a lot of women getting together and saying, listen, enough is enough. The, the guys are just over there shouting at each other and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just <laughs> making noise. We're over here. We're going to use that noise productively. Yeah. Like yeah. we're going to stand together and we're going to do this thing. If if I could just be so bold as to read a little um, snippet, just um, Annalee, sorry if you would humor us just for a little bit more. Um, in 1956, approximately 20,000 women of all races marched to the union buildings in protest against the law that required black women to carry a pass, a passbook of a dompas. The passbook was rightly seen as a violation of civil rights because its purpose was to restrict travel within the South African borders of people classified as black during the apartheid regime. The march was organized by the Federation of South African Women, FSO or FEDSO, and led by Lillian Ngoi, Helen Joseph, mm. Rahima Musa, and Sophia Williams. Four women, four different races, standing together. Fetzor actively challenged the idea that women belonged in the kitchen and countered that women belong everywhere. What I'm getting goosebumps reading us up, but what more can we say about that? Um, Zoe, you have a question. Yes, I do. Now, they chanted a song called, When You Touch a Woman, You Strike a Rock, for 30 minutes. Watint abafazi watint imbokoto. Yes, I do. So I would like to ask, in which ways do you see women as the rock of society in South Africa today? Well, um... Tuffy. I find that a very very challenging question because, um, uh, I think... You know, I think if we just think nuclear, nuclear families, then we all have, you know, I suppose we all have experiences of women being the rock, a mother, Mm -hmm. uh, um, a woman figure keeping the family together. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, regardless of the circumstances, are able to keep that family together. And even today, um, when... um, uh, we work on also one of our projects are with um, women, well, people working on farms and whose who circumstances are so completely different from mine. But still, when it comes to their children and making plans about their children and their future, we are on exactly the same um, page in terms of um, I'm almost just brooding him and you won't. You won't get around me if you want to keep to my to my children. So there's this natural instinct of of fighting for your family and um, fighting for for your own, which um, uh, which I which we I think which I hope most of us have have experienced. Um, but I think where my conflict comes is um, where where um, when we move beyond our own family, um, to what extent am I also willing to be a rock for other women, for other societies, for um, uh, 
not just my own, because I think to to be protective and and caring for your own is natural. It, it comes natural. That's where we get our rock foundation. But um, I mean, I've always been conf- or lately been confronted with the fact that yes, I'm a mother, and yes, I have a responsibility to my children and my godchildren and the children around us. But I also deeply know that. God has not created me only for the purpose of my children. I do not exist only for my own. Mm. And um, so when we think of striking the woman and, and, and strike a rock, I want to say, if you strike a woman, you could strike a rock. Mm. You should strike a rock. But um, maybe I would more like, to move towards the metaphor of a mountain and saying we're not hitting rocks, we are hitting a mountain. But that's only possible if we move a bit beyond my own suburb, my own school, my own um, uh, my own area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is what um, the woman marching to the Union building re- re- resembled. It's not really only hitting a rock, it was a mountain. Um, that was found in the solidarity of of so many women from not only different races, also important from different classes who who showed showed up. I mean, I've read that some of the women were carrying not only their own having their own children or carrying their own babies on their backs, but even the children of the employees for employers for whom they've been working. I one hundred percent agree with you. I I. I find myself thinking about, um, if anyone follows American news, it's difficult not to, um, with George Floyd's murder a few months afterwards, uh, there was a mother's march. And a lot of the, um, the, they said when George Floyd called for his mother, he called all mothers. Mm. All mothers answered. And I, I deeply feel that. I deeply feel that even if you're not someone who wants children or who has children, that we are protectors of yeah. those around us, not just of yeah. our own. Who are our nearest and dearest? Um, goodness gracious. I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts or questions you'd like to, to ask Analai. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I really enjoyed this. No, I really enjoyed the interview. I loved everything you said and how you highlighted that it was, you know, women who were not just, it wasn't just one type of woman. It was different races, different ethnic groups, different classes. And they all came together and they made a point and they were mountainous. Mm-hmm. I love that. Anale, if I could maybe ask you, in light of all of this, obviously it's fantastic to be able to celebrate women and to um, give presents and to have, you know, a good, good time together. That's necessary, but... How can we take it further to not just those within our own home, but to our communities? How can we really celebrate Women's Month the way it's supposed to be? Well, I, I, I think um, for me that's the exact point, is that for me Women's Day is not about, it's, it's not about gifts and spoiling women. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I can't help but think of the analogy of the the guy who, um, bangs up his wife, hit her, um, all bruised up, and then the next day he comes with a bunch of flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's the 9th of August. Let's buy flowers to the women. Let's 
give, give them a high tea or, I mean, I'm not saying all gifts have bad intentions or, but I'm, I'm just saying I'm mindful of that because Women's Day for me is not Mother's Day. It's not about appreciating women. Mm-hmm. We do that on other times. And I mean, you can do that anytime. But, but on Women's Day, uh, Women's Day and then Women's Month is more for me about affirming women. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just doing the, the, on the surface things of, oh, women, you are important to us. Um, we show women that, that they are important to us if we pay attention to them. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, that goes to women also. So um, I show that I affirm and value women by listening to the women in my life or the women that I come in contact with. If I um, take them seriously into, when I hear what they, what they speak about, and then, again, people could say, but aren't you supposed to do that always? Of course we're supposed to do that always, in the same manner as black large should always matter, should always matter too. But, um, but because it doesn't, we need an extra effort. So because, because the norm is that we still live in a patriarchal world, which, we, which often we as women also help to uphold, therefore we need this time. We want to say, um, let us remind each other about not only the, the caring, nurturing uh, beauty of women, of course we've got that too, but affirm us as human beings equal to men. Um, and, and maybe one, one challenge for us would be just in your own home um, to concentrate on what you expect from your girl child versus what you expect from your boy child. How do you speak to your daughter and what is different in when you speak to a boy? Or a, um, and in that way, we begin to just challenge ourselves in, in, what, in, in, in how we raise a new generation mm. um, where we do not differentiate so much uh, between men and women, boys and girls. Anelay, thank you so, so much for that. I think that is a challenge that we all can take up. If you've got kids, you, man, you got, you know, guys, you've got brothers, you've got uncles, you've got friends. Let's try and implement this and not just over the month of August, exactly as you say, let's do this every single day. Let's not make this a special occasion. This is every single day. Thank you so much for coming in and we look forward to speaking to you again sometime in the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bye-bye. Bye. So we've come to that part of the evening, the mystery Bible quiz. We are going to do it a little differently tonight. We don't have a question to pose to you guys, but we would like to know, and please get involved, send it to our WhatsApp line. Who in the Bible is your favorite? Okay, who's your favorite woman, biblical character, and why? I'm going to start off in studio. Lou? Ooh, that's a goodie, that's a goodie. So my favorite, oh wait. Should we say beforehand? Otherwise, people might steal our ideas. And that's oh, true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Ah, okay. true. All right. Mm-hmm. So, ha, send us your favorite biblical women 
081-729-1657. Now, we're not going to listen to another song. We're going to listen to a few jingles, and then we're going to get into the happy health tip. And then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to hear some stuff. 180 degrees on I Am Youth Movement. Follow us on Facebook today. I Am Radio. Health tips. How to be happy in your health. It's not just about being healthy, it's about being happy. Should be quite interesting. Chocolates are the true source of happiness. I stand by it. Mm. I say it every week. It's true every week. Mm-hmm. So this week we'll be talking about doom scrolling and how to stop. Now, first of all, let's talk about what is doom scrolling. Incessantly scrolling through bottomless doom and gloom news feeds for hours on end. Basically, if the news is bad or depressing, you can doom scroll it. So you're just sitting on your phone, doom scrolling. In a pandemic that forces us to stay home, binging on doom and gloom news feels irresistible and our screen time has jumped at least 50%. Crazy. The amount of time spent doom scrolling is directly proportional to how much worse you're going to feel after you're done. So the overall impact of doom scrolling has on people can vary, but typically it can make you feel extra anxious, depressed, and isolated. Nobody wants any of that. So, what have you guys been doing any doom scrolling lately? I haven't had Wi-Fi for a week. Um. But before then, yes. <laughs> Especially with everything bad just suddenly happening for no reason. Hashtag the old plague. Mm. <laughs> 2020. Inga, how about you? Not at all, actually. Oh, you like, feel happy? I, I feel very happy. I, I can honestly say, like, sometimes my husband would come with these facts and stuff and stats and stuff, and then I told him, I'm not reading it, so you don't have to read it to me. I'm fine. good. I'm <laughs> good. Staying informed is important, but being overwhelmed by tragedy does nothing. It's not productive. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. So here are a few tips on how you can stop doom scrolling. Create healthy boundaries. You can create physical separation from your devices. For example, leave your phone at home when you go for a walk or a run or out on the town. Or if you're spending time with a friend. I mean, you're spending time with a friend mm-hmm. with your mask on at a socially distant space. You don't need your <laughs> telephone. You guys can hear each other. Go on a news diet. Set limits to how much you're scrolling. Set a timer for like maybe 30 minutes, three times a day, and see if you feel better. So only for those times, you know, you mm-hmm. don't scroll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also stop push notifications from news sources and read the news at your own pace. Break the cycle with positivity. Bookmark websites or social media accounts that make you feel good. And when you notice yourself going down the doom scrolling path, open up the positive pages or accounts. Mm. Connect with other people. Changing behavior can be tough to do on your own. So you could even tell your friends that you want to stop doom scrolling and they can hold you accountable. And they're probably doom scrolling too. So, you know, do it as a, as a family. Time to sleep. Spending too much time scrolling through bad news late at night affects your mood and sleep. Oh, this is me. 60 minutes before bed. Wow. Turn off your device and charge it away from your bed. I've been meaning to do this for literally three weeks. And every time mm. it's like, mm. But Instagram helps me sleep. It doesn't. Mm. Instagram does not help me sleep. Lies, I tell myself. Use that time to read a book, meditate, or, you know, just lie there. Even though it's hard to unglue your eyes from bad news on social media, try to put healthy tech habits in place. Things are stressful enough without thinking about it all day. Now, this happy health tip was brought to you by the Happy Broadcast on Instagram, a happy social media page that I follow because they give me some happy news to break in between all of my doom scrolling. So that is what we have got today. Shall we jump in? Ooh, 
maybe for another time. Mm-hmm. As for now, we have run out of time. Can you believe it? Another fantastic week, another fantastic conversation. We look forward mm-hmm. to speaking to you guys again in a ye old future. For now, this has been 180 Degrees. Signing, signing out. out.